0: Welcome to the Countdown to Canada podcast by ARRIVE, a podcast for newcomers, by newcomers. We give you the information, resources, and tips you need to build a successful life here. Whether you're exploring your immigration options, looking for your first job, starting your studies as an international student, or adapting to life in Canada, this podcast will set you up for a smooth journey. Now let's get you home. Hi, I'm your host, Clem Levovalier, and with me today is my co host Samitra so Nawalkar. Um, thank you for joining me today.
1: Hey, Clem. Thanks for inviting me. I listen to podcasts all the time, so I'm super excited to be co-hosting one today.
0: Well, I'm really happy to have you on board as well. Um, I think newcomers who are planning to move to Canada soon can learn a lot from your journey. I believe that you've almost completed your first year as a permanent resident in Canada. Is that right?
1: Almost, almost. Uh, well, I moved here in March of last year. It took my wife and I a couple of months to settle in, but Canada has started to feel like home now. In fact, I just returned from a trip to India to visit my family and that felt like a vacation.
0: Well, I'm glad that Canada feels like home now. As you obviously know from experience, your first few months in Canada is when you lay the groundwork for your future life here. It's a really crucial time in most newcomers' lives and that's why in today's episode, I want to chat about how newcomers should prepare for their first 100 days in Canada.
1: That sounds awesome. My own settling in journey is still fresh in my mind, and I remember how busy the first few months were with having to figure out our accommodation, finances, jobs, and all that.
0: And we're going to cover all of that and more today. Let's start with budgeting, since that's something newcomers usually do well before they move to Canada. How did you approach this, and how did you decide how much money to bring to Canada with you?
1: That's a good question. Uh, Well, when we applied for permanent residence, we were asked to show proof of settlement funds. So we already had a little over $16,500 saved up, which was the total settlement funds requirement for two people, uh, that is me and my wife. But I knew that it can take some time to find a job in Canada, and I wanted to make sure we brought enough money to cover our expenses for at least a period of six months. So I calculated the cost of living in Toronto, which is where we were moving to, and I included all the things we would possibly need to pay during our first six months, like rent, transportation, food, utilities, clothing, etc. I strongly recommend that all newcomers do this. It's better to have funds available and not need them rather than to run out of savings because it took you longer than expected to find a job.
0: Yeah, I'm really glad you brought up the cost of living because that's something that varies significantly depending on which city in Canada you're moving to. Uh, And if you only bring the minimum required settlement funds, that might not be enough to cover your expenses for six months, uh, especially if you're moving to a major city like Toronto or Vancouver. Uh, ARRIVE actually has an easy-to-use cost-of-living calculator um, that allows you to estimate what your monthly expenses in your future Canadian city will be based on your lifestyle, your requirements, for example, if you're moving on your own or with your family members, uh, whether you plan on having a car or not. Um, We'll add a link to that calculator in the episode description, so do check it out later. Um, But Sumitra, you calculated your expenses for your first six months in Canada, which is great. And did you open your Canadian bank account and transfer your funds before you arrived?
1: Yeah, uh, I did start the bank account opening process while I was still in India. That's something you can easily do so by booking a virtual appointment with an RBC newcomer advisor. You can do this a few weeks or even a couple of months before you arrive in Canada. Once you have a landing date though, you can find a link to book an appointment in the episode description. I did not get a chance to transfer funds before our move because the last few weeks before our travel were so rushed. But I did have an international credit card, which allowed me to make uh, transactions in Canadian dollars and withdraw cash if if needed. So that bought us some time.
0: We actually did an episode on banking for newcomers to Canada last week. So if you're looking for information on how to choose the right bank partner, um, how to open a bank account before you arrive or build your credit history in Canada or transfer your funds... Uh, Do listen to that episode. Uh, But now let's talk about your first week in Canada, Samitra. Had you already booked temporary accommodation before moving? Uh, What were some of the most important things you did that week?
1: Yeah. uh, So initially, we stayed with my brother-in-law's family in London, Ontario, which is about two hours away from Toronto. We had obviously done our research on the essential tasks that we needed to do. But being with family made things a little bit easier. In our first week, we went to Service Canada Centre to get our SIN or social insurance number. This is definitely something all newcomers should prioritize because you really cannot start working in Canada until you have that SIN. And you also need it to apply for any government benefits and credits. You can either apply uh, for a SIN at a Service Canada Centre in person or you can do that online through their website or, or even through mail. We also applied for credit cards so we could start building our credit history in Canada immediately. Clem, I know you and Wanzi covered this in detail in the previous episode, but I will reiterate that having a good credit history and credit score is absolutely essential for life in Canada. And you'll need it to get credit products such as bank loans, a mortgage when you're ready to buy a home here, or even to get a post phone plan, and also possibly uh, to rent a home or to apply for certain types of jobs.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's something that surprises many newcomers, that your credit score affects more than just your finances. Um, In Canada, your credit score is like your financial reputation. And the sooner you start building your credit history, the better. And the easiest way to do that um, is to get a credit card and start using it for small purchases. Um, So, Mitra, what was the next task on your list?
1: Well, we had to get Canadian SIM cards for our phones. Prepaid plans to begin with, since you need a Canadian credit history to qualify for a postpaid plan. Uh, I had done some research on this before we got here. So I knew about the top three phone carriers, that is the TELUS, the Rogers, and the Bell. And their low-cost subsidiary companies such as Chatter, Fido, Kudu, and Lucky Mobile. Cell phone plans in Canada are among the most expensive in the world. Easily 10 times more expensive than back home in India. So initially we chose the provider that offered the cheapest plan. Uh, with the most data. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Next, uh, I mean, we focused on getting a driver's license uh, because it serves as your everyday Canadian identification document. So I prepared for and passed the knowledge test and got a beginner's license in just a few days after we arrived. I had been driving in my home country, India, for many years and I brought a driver's license extract from home to prove my on-road experience So that really allowed me to appear for a road test as soon as I passed my return test.
0: That's a great tip. Um, A driving license extract makes the process of getting a license much faster for newcomers. Um, Otherwise, it can sometimes take up to three years to get a full license in Canada.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I managed to get my G license, which is the full license in Ontario, within the first three months of landing. Well done. And I even bought a car after moving to Toronto.
0: That was super quick. Um, Three months. Uh, Any tips for other newcomers who want to purchase a car in Canada?
1: Oh, lots of them. Uh, first and foremost, uh, before you decide which car you want to buy, get quotes for car insurance because uh, those can vary significantly based on the vehicle's make and model. And be prepared to pay a lot for insurance. In Canada, you must have liability coverage for your car to cover legal expenses in case you're at fault in a car accident and also for any injury or damage caused to the other person or their vehicle. Collision coverage to cover your own vehicle is optional but it is best to be fully protected, at least until you have Uh, you are used to uh, driving on Canadian roads.
0: Yes. Uh, Do shop around when it comes to insurance because different providers can have vastly different rates too. Um, You mentioned uh, the make and model of the car, Um, but uh, also some providers take into account your driving experience from back home, which can make a difference. Um, And the city that you're going to be living in will also influence uh, your insurance fees. Uh, For example, it's notorious that residents of Brampton, Ontario have some of the highest insurance premiums in Canada. Yeah. Um, whereas some of the other cities uh, nearby probably have lower rates. So uh, factor that in.
1: Absolutely. I've heard that about Brampton as well. Another tip is that if you're new to driving on the right side of the road or don't really have a lot of driving experience from back home, many driving schools in Canada will offer ministry-approved driving classes and you would get a discount on your car insurance if you complete such a course. So once you're ready to purchase a car, you have the option of getting a new vehicle or a used one. Many car dealerships also sell used or pre-owned cars and that's why you can be sure that they have checked the vehicle properly and there is very less risk of getting scammed. There's also a third option that many newcomers are unfamiliar with, which is leasing a car. A a lease is essentially a long-term rental for like one, two or even three years. The ongoing cost of the leasing vehicle is usually lower than buying one with a car loan But the downside is you don't actually own any equity in the car. That's right. Instead, you have to return it in good condition to the dealership once your lease is up.
0: Uh, Those are some great tips. Um, I also want to mention that if you have an international driver's license, you're allowed to use it to drive in Canada for the first 60 to 90 days when you first arrive. Uh, Each province and territory has its own rules on licenses. um, And even the process of getting a driver's license is different in different parts of Canada. So make sure you know what rules apply in the province that you are moving to. And another thing that's worth mentioning on the topic of cars is uh, that in Canada, parking costs can be pretty high, especially if you're in a a major city like Toronto or Vancouver. Um, So when you're looking for a place to rent, if you plan to buy a car, make sure that uh, that uh, rental you're looking at also includes parking. But if you're not ready to drive um, or to get a car in your first 100 days, that's absolutely okay too. Uh, Personally, I've lived in Toronto for 10 years now. I have three kids and I don't have a car. Most cities in Canada have good public transportation network. So familiarize yourself with the options available in your city. Um, All right, enough about cars. What was next on your new to Canada checklist, Amitra?
1: Well, within our first few weeks, we also applied for provincial health coverage. Thankfully, Ontario has waived off the waiting period for Ontario Health Insurance Plan, or OHIP during the pandemic, and they have made that change permanent. So we were eligible for health coverage from the beginning, as soon as we got our health cards.
0: That's great, um, because healthcare costs can be extremely high in Canada if you aren't covered by provincial insurance. So I'm glad you prioritized that. Um, I do want to point out that in Canada, healthcare is managed at the province level, and each province has its own health insurance plan with different eligibility requirements and coverage benefits. So before you arrive, make sure you know when you're eligible for health coverage in your province and which documents you'll need to apply for it.
1: Yeah, you know what, actually one of the reasons I wanted to get a driver's license as soon as possible was because in Ontario, you need some proof of address to qualify for a uh, provincial health insurance and a driver's license at that, even a beginner's one, is accepted as one of the forms of address proof. Alternatively, you can always use your Canadian bank account statement, but you'll usually need to wait at least a month to get your first statement. If you have already found a job in Canada or rented accommodation, you can use your pay stubs uh, or or a lease uh, as an address proofer as well.
0: Yeah, great point. Um, you can also go to your bank and ask for a letter on um, letterhead paper that states your address and use that as a proof of address. Um, Speaking of finding a job in Canada, you managed to get your first job here within two months, which is amazing. I know finding employment is a pain for for many newcomers, and it's definitely one of the main things you should focus on during your first 100 days um, in Canada. Do you have any tips for newcomers who are getting ready for their job search?
1: Actually, I was listening to the two career-related episodes you did previously, and I think those cover everything. I would highly recommend that our listeners check out the episodes on finding a job and networking in Canada when they start preparing for the job search. Besides that, I do want to say that everybody's career is different. So don't really feel pressured or disheartened when you hear about other people's stories of, of how quickly they found a job or how long their job search took. Yeah, I mean, I landed my first job in less than eight weeks, but it took my wife longer. And we were both going about our job search the exact same way. So don't really worry. Uh, you'll find your fit even if it takes a little time.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Don't get discouraged if you don't find a job as quickly as Somitra did. Um, but do check out the episodes we released earlier for useful tips that will help you approach your job search in the right way. Uh, Somitra, coming back to your story, you were initially in London, Ontario, staying with relatives. And then you found a job in Toronto and relocated here. So let's talk about renting permanent accommodation. How was that process for you? Uh, did you use a realtor, uh, do your own research? What was your method?
1: Well, I found my current home through rentals.ca. Uh, we did manage to connect with a realtor uh, through rentals.ca itself, but that really didn't work for us. We had to finalize our accommodations quickly because we were like a couple of hours away from Toronto, and it wasn't really possible to come here and see homes every day.
0: That makes sense. Um, Did you face any of uh, the typical challenges that newcomers uh, have when they're renting their first home? Uh, For instance, we know lots of newcomers find it difficult to get approved for a lease because they don't have Canadian credit history. And we talked about that a little um, in a previous episode.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, uh, I think uh, for me, it was a little easier uh, because I had a job offer from a Canadian employer. So that really worked in our favor. But yes, you're right. Uh, We did not have any credit history at that time. I know many landlords in Toronto require these documents and as a newcomer, it really can be difficult to rent your first home.
0: Yeah, it can be. We've talked about some workarounds to find a rental home, even if you don't have Canadian credit history or a job offer. Um, Do Give that episode a listen or download the free housing guide uh, that we've linked in the episode description um, if that's of interest. Now, Samitra, I know you don't have kids, so this isn't something that you would have had to do. But for newcomers who are moving to Canada with their children, one of the things you'll need to do for your first few days is to register your children for school. Um, The school system here in Canada varies by province, but schooling is generally mandatory for kids age five or six up until the time uh, they graduate high school at uh, 17 or 18. The school year starts either in late August or early September, and it ends at the end of June. And many newcomer families plan their landing date accordingly to avoid disrupting or delaying their kids' schooling. So, if you have kids, you should look into the types of school that exist in Canada and in your province specifically. Generally, public schools are free for the children of citizens and permanent residents, and even for the kids of temporary resident permit holders in some provinces. Not all public schools are the same. Uh, The majority of these schools have English as the primary language of instruction, uh, but there are also some French immersion schools. And if you're living in Ontario, Alberta, Saskatchewan, or one of the three territories, you may also have the option of sending your child to a public Catholic school, though many of these schools only admit Catholic children. And then there's also private and independent schools that charge a tuition fee, and that can range anywhere from $9,000 to $35,000 a year. Uh, To register your child for school, you'll need some basic documentation, such as their birth certificates, uh, school certificates from your home country, vaccination records, and your proof of address in Canada, and your proof of uh, status in Canada, such as your confirmation of permanent residence or your PR card or your work permit, Um, do reach out to your local school board uh, or your school of choice ahead of time to find out about what their registration deadlines are, what their requirements are. And one thing that lots of newcomers find helpful is that most schools offer support to help newcomer children adapt to the Canadian school system. This is super helpful, and it includes language classes if your child needs them, or uh, support to help them adjust to their new
1: classes. That's really great. Uh, It really can be hard to adapt to the new culture, even as an adult. So I'm glad that newcomer children get that support in school. Clem, uh, you're originally from France. So do your children go to a French immersion school?
0: No, actually, we enrolled them in an English language public school. But at home, we mostly speak to them in French. And I think that finding cultural balance and keeping your kids connected to their roots in some way is important too. In fact, many public school boards also offer international language classes. So if you want your child to learn your native language and teaching them at home isn't enough, then you might be able to access that additional support as well.
1: That's absolutely amazing. It really is.
0: But I want to go back to something you just mentioned, adapting to Canadian culture as an adult. Um, What were some cultural differences you noticed when you first arrived?
1: Well, uh, I think the first thing that we noticed was how diverse and multicultural Canada is. Whether it's in your neighborhood or your workplace, You'll always find people with different nationalities and ethnicities, and that's really great feeling. You never feel like an outsider. From the very beginning, you start to feel accepted and valued. Everyone in Canada is super polite, so get in the habit of using please, thank you, and sorry, if those words aren't commonly used in your home country. One thing that took me some time to get used to was small talk. Canadians usually start conversations by chit-chatting about neutral topics like the weather, how did you spend the weekend or sports or food. And this happens even in work meetings. Yeah. In my culture, uh, on the other hand, people tend to get straight to, straight to the point. But I have slowly gotten comfortable with the small talk. And honestly, it has helped me to get, uh, get to know people better like what their interests are and what they do outside of work.
0: Yeah, I'm glad to hear you have adapted so well. And obviously being fluent in English or French, if you're in Quebec, plays a huge role uh, as well. So if you're planning to come to Canada, but your language skills need some work, start practicing before you move you'll need to be able to communicate at least at a basic level, even for everyday tasks like buying your groceries or ordering at a restaurant. And in most cases, you'll need to be fluent in English or French to find a job in Canada or network with people.
1: Absolutely. Networking is a really important part of Canadian culture as well.
0: Yeah, as is volunteering. So many Canadians freely donate their time to volunteer for organizations and causes that they care about. From coaching a kid's sports team to upkeeping a local public garden, to serving meals at a food bank or fundraising for a charity. These are all ways of volunteering. And for newcomers, volunteering can be a great way to gain Canadian experience, practice their English or French, uh, and to make friends and grow your network um, and pick up new skills. I really recommend trying it. Uh, Samitra, so let's also talk about your experience with the winter in Canada. Uh, were you prepared for it or did it take you by
1: surprise? Uh, no, uh, I mean, I'd say we were fairly well prepared. I think anyone who has considered moving to Canada knows that it gets really cold in the winters. We came here in late March, so the worst of the winter was already over. But we had brought jackets that are good for temperatures for as low as up to minus 5 degrees Celsius and some other winter clothes. My home country, India, is relatively warm, and the winters there are much milder, so it's really hard to find heavy jackets and snowshoes there. Yeah,
0: that's understandable.
1: So that's something that we uh, bought uh, after arriving in Canada.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, something that many newcomers do. Uh, bring enough warm clothes to layer up for the first couple days until you can buy proper Canadian winter gear that'll protect you during Canada's famously cold winters. Um I'm glad to hear that you've settled in well and have adapted to life in Canada. Before we end this episode, I have one final question for you. You've been here for almost a year now. What do you like best about living in Canada?
1: Mm, I mean, that's a tough one. There's so much to like. I love that I can always find my favorite things around me, like even Indian food and groceries. Then even in the middle of a major city like Toronto, uh, there are so many walking trails that uh, you never feel like you're far away from nature. I think Canada gives you an opportunity to be more like yourself. There's no pressure to change who you are. Uh, You're accepted and respected no matter what your skin color is or what your religion uh, is. And I think that's the ultimate freedom.
0: That's very true. Uh, it's also what I love the most about living in Canada. So, Richard, this was really fun. Thanks for joining me today and for sharing your newcomer experiences.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, to all of those who tuned in, thank you for listening to the Countdown to Canada podcast by Arrive. We hope the tips we've shared today will help you start your new life in Canada and find success at every step of the way. If you're looking for more information on planning your move to Canada, we have a detailed guide that we'll link out to in the episode description. And for other newcomer resources to help with your career, life, and finances in Canada, check out our website, arriving.com
1: and subscribe to our podcast. And we hope to see you back for the next episode.